Who are some of the hardest working people you know? Think about them. What are the things that they do that makes you put them in that group? Do they wake up early? Do they stay up all night? Do they work multiple jobs but still maintain a social life? Are they naturally gifted but approach their craft like they got something to prove every time? Thinking about these questions, the answer for me is simple. Daniel, my little brother, is one of the hardest workers in any room and is my guest on today's episode of the Life IQ Podcast. Daniel Oladejo is a recent U Auto graduate with a Bachelor of Commerce specializing in management. During his time at U Ottawa, he played on the men's varsity football team, where he was a three-year starter and a two-year team captain. Daniel is currently preparing for the CFL National Combine, coming up in March, and the subsequent CFL draft. In this episode, Daniel speaks a ton about his journey to finding the game of football and choosing to stick with it in many, many difficult moments. I hope you enjoy all the stories that he tells, the introspection of his struggles, and the lessons that he's arrived at. Personally, for me, this was the most natural way to wrap up the what's next question. One, because I'm a little jealous that I could never get close enough to being a professional athlete. But two, because I'm extremely proud of the man that my little brother has become. And I could not think of a better way to wrap up this section of the Life IQ podcast. So with all that being said, let's get into it. Stop tap dancing around the conversation. All right, man, we're back. We are back um, to another episode of the Life IQ podcast. And I feel like this one's going to be pretty good. I'm pretty excited about this one. Been trying to set this one up for I don't even know how long. I think ever since I started this podcast, I was like, this is somebody I want to talk to. Just because when you talk about day ones, like literal day ones, like this is this is who this person is. Um, been trying to set this one up for a few weeks. Um, you know, Christmas just happened and the new year. We're trying to do it over before that, during I'm glad that we finally made some time to do this one right now. Um, and this is another episode diving into the question of what's next. And this person is going through a crazy transition period right now. We're figuring out what's next. Lots of potential, lots of exciting things on the horizon. Um, my earliest memory of this person is when I was three years old and they were born. Crazy. I remember my oldest sister, Lois, and myself, when, you know, our parents were talking about, I don't really under, like remember the details, obviously, of when your parents are explaining that they're going to have another kid or another set of kids. And for me, I was like, I just want a little brother. For my sister Lois, she was like, I just want a little sister. And God willing, like my mom was pregnant with twins. One was a boy, one was a girl. Uh, and I remember when the day they were born, like going into the hospital and just like looking through the glass and seeing both of them there and it was like crazy because you're just so young you just like don't really understand what's going on but at the same time like you're kind of like coming to terms with the fact that your family just expanded and over time just watching this this person grow um used to be like he would be so annoying because i'd just be trying to kick it with my friends and he just always want to tag along 
And then now he's just too cool where I'm like, now nah, I want to I wanna hang out with you. But, you know, he has all his other stuff going on. But uh, so excited to welcome for the final installment of the What's Next question, my little brother, Daniel. Welcome to the Life IQ podcast. How's it going, my man? Hey, bro. It's a pleasure to be here for real. I mean, first of all, there's no way you remember looking through the glass. I, As three years old? I dead ass remember it. But it might be one of those yeah, things where, like, over time, you made like, that up. You've like pieced together the memory, but I actually yeah, do remember. You made like, it up. I remember like the actual visit, like when it was like, oh, like mom gave birth, like coming to the hospital and like seeing you guys. I actually okay. remember that. I don't remember it vividly, but All I remember right. that it happened. All right. Yeah. As you were saying that, I was in my head. I was like, can't. But yeah, um, man, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, we've been trying to trying to get this rocking for a little bit now. Um, but good to finally be on. I've been following the Life IQ podcast since inception. You feel me? Since, <laughs> since the idea was thought up. So yeah, uh, yeah it's cool to, to cool to be on. He's given me a shout out once before, so uh, it's nice y'all could put a face to a name and the stories a little bit. So yeah, man, it's good to be on. I'm doing good. I'm doing very well. Uh, really excited. I mean, this is a fitting fitting theme for what's going on in my life right now. What's next? So yeah, yeah, man, good to be on. Good to chop it up with you. Yeah, man, I'm excited, and I feel like this is gonna be a cool episode. Not only because of the question, but just because um, of your story uh, over the last few years, like everything that that you've had to go through and the work that you've put in. So I want to make sure that I do that story justice and just talking a little bit about that because I've been lucky, but also like not unlucky, but just watching from the sideline because obviously as your brother and a family member, like the highs are really high, but the lows are also really low. Like it's tough to watch someone that you love and you're so close to like grind things out and like things don't go your way sometimes. But I feel like recently it's just been really exciting to see the reward of your hard work pay off. So I want to make sure that we talk about that. Um, Before we kind of get into introducing the main question and stuff though, what's, uh, what's going on with you right now? Like, what have you been up to? Maybe just give a little bit of context as to like what you're doing uh, school-wise, outside of that, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I know we're going to talk about some stuff like later on. So just, uh, yeah, a bit of context into what, what's been going on in your life recently. Yeah, man, to just set the scene a little bit. I play football, I'm a football player at the University of Ottawa. Um, for those of you who don't know me, uh, a varsity athlete. And that's kind of the nucleus of my world. Uh, a lot of the stuff that I do revolves around me being a varsity athlete. So, um, yeah, this last year, we just finished the season in uh, November. So I've just been training since then. Uh, came off an injury. I got injured in our second to last game. So I've been, it's been rehab. It's tough. And trying to get right. Yeah, real tough. I'm not going to lie. When he's talking about the lows, I was probably one of the lowest of lows uh, getting hurt <clears throat> in a time where I felt like my team needed me a lot. Um, but, yeah, so... Just been rehabbing off that, um, trying to get right, and then been training. Uh, I finished my degree in business management uh, last year. Uh, so I just took classes so I could play. And then as soon as the season was over, I dropped them. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So not a, not a student anymore, technically. So, um, yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty much the, the gist of it. I've just been training and, and working, really. So that's it. Remind me, too, is, was that your first injury that, prevented you from actually playing because i know you've been hurt before had you actually missed the game because of injury 
Nah, that was my first. Yeah, that was my first injury. Yeah, uh, in my career, really, that I that I missed a game. I played hurt. Um, yeah. It's part of the part of the terrain playing hurt, but mm-hmm. I've never missed a game. So that's what made it especially tough. Yeah, for me, because I feel like obviously when you get hurt a lot, it's it does a lot mentally. But mm-hmm. when you're not used to missing time, yeah. when you're not used to missing games, and you have to miss a game, it was the I missed the last game of our season. Mm-hmm. For me, it's the OUA semifinals. So it's like I missed the most important game of the season. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was tough. And the game I got hurt, I was about to go crazy too. Like, yeah. I got hurt in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. I got it's hurt like fourth in the first play. quarter. Like fourth play of the game. The, yeah, bro. I oh, had, no, no. You you got hurt. I had like, two catches. You got hurt like the second play, then the you played second the second series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was the second series. I had two, uh, I finished the game with three catches and like 50 something yards. I was tied for the most yards in the game and I played damn near one quarter. quarter. You feel what I'm saying? So I was like, I was, in that game I felt it too. I was like, damn, I'm about to, I feel locked in. I'm about to go crazy. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, get hurt, miss the semifinals, we lose. So it was real tough and it's, it's supposed to be my last year too. So mm-hmm. really, really, really tough. But um, yeah, it's part of the, part of the story now, part of the journey. You feel yeah. me? So just trying to keep working. For sure, man. Yeah. It's injuries are, are always, te- always tough. Um, obviously like I didn't play, you know, anywhere near the, the high level that you play being a varsity athlete in university, but that's always something that when, um, when you're in the off season and, uh, when, you know, it's the early season, everything that you do is in preparation for the games. Like that's what you work for. So anytime like that gets cut short, you know, when you don't have as many games cause of injury or like, you know, one of the years you were there didn't have any games cause of COVID, like it's always tough because then you're like, okay, now I have to go through the entire process to get to the next round of games. And, and especially like where you are right now, like, you know, obviously like we're, we're hoping and praying for the best, but that's not guaranteed. It's not like when you're a second year university player and your season ends and you're coming back for your third year is like, okay, there's going to be games. I'm going to have an opportunity to play, but you know, your situation is a little bit different and we'll talk about that. So yeah. And I remember too, like I had come to the last home game and then I was watching that game, you know, from, from my crib and saw like, yeah, you had like two catches. The second catch was like that, that bubble screen, you took it up and then yeah. you stayed down for a little bit. I'm like, oh no, man. And then when you caught that third one and you got sandwiched, I was like, bro, this, this yeah. cannot be happening right now. Um, but you know, like you said, it's, it's all part of the story and, um, you know, like any setback just makes for a greater comeback. So excited to... Yeah to kind of, you know, talk about your mindset a little bit. Um, yeah, the, the main question for, for today, it's what's next, super relevant. And I really wanted to end end this one, this question with with talking to you because obviously like, it's pretty cool like what you're going through right now. Not many people get that opportunity. So I'm, I'm very excited to just kind of dig into your mind and, and learn from that. Second thing is personally, just I, f- I find that it's gonna be a really dope conversation. Um, Cause we, you know, obviously we're close and we talk about things, but, um, it isn't something that I think it becomes so normal. Like you've been playing football, you ought to now for five years. It becomes so normal. So every conversation we have isn't about what you're doing in football. We talk about so many different other things. Um, but really what we want to talk about in this episode, if you're, if you're new to the what's next premise or you've been here, quick refresher, talking to all our guests based on their experiences, what they have going on in life right now but also talking about how they make decisions, planning for the future, 
but also staying present and practicing gratitude. So this topic is all about the thought process of remaining ambitious, striving for more, but also like that constant pressure to figure out um, or to know or maybe not know what, what exactly comes next. So you mentioned like you're a varsity athlete playing at the University of Ottawa, playing football. When did you first fall in love with, with the game of, of football? Like obviously growing up, we played a lot of sports and, you know, we we're pretty active as kids. But when did you first fall in love with football? And then also like what was that point for you when you decided like this is what I want as a career? Yeah, man, it goes back to us growing up in, in Texas, in Katy, Texas. I mean, football is damn near a religion down there. So it's like going to school and you on the playground, interacting with kids. Everyone's talking about football. That's what mm-hmm. that's what they're talking about. So, I mean, I think that was when the fascination kind of started. I would have been like, how old was, how old was that when we moved to Texas? To Houston? Um, you probably just turned six. Yeah, so I was, I was young, you know what I'm saying? I don't really remember, because we were in New Orleans before that, I don't really remember if that was when I first fell in love with it, but I know for a fact in Katy, Texas, I used to, well, in the living room, I'd be like running, oh, mm-hmm. jumping over the couch, like simulating, like I'm running through the, because I was, I thought I was a running back back then, so I'd be like yeah. running through the tackles, and you know what I'm saying, like doing all that, and um, that's when I really, really, that's my first memory of really falling in love with it. Um, obviously, we grew up being huge Saints fans. Uh, now it's you know it's a painful journey, but back <laughs> then, I mean, we were c- competing for NFC championships and Super Bowls and stuff like that. So watching that and being involved in that and experiencing it firsthand in in the states where it's like a different culture, mm-hmm. that's when I really really fell in love with it and just everything about it. I mean, I used to like watch YouTube tutorial videos before I ever even played tackle football. Yeah, not even just like not even about football, the sport itself. I used to watch tutorials on just how, like, how to put on shoulder pads, how to yeah. put on, like, bro, all types of stuff. I'm telling you, like, before I ever even put on a set of shoulder pads ever, I was mm-hmm. watching tutorials on that. I was just so fascinated with the game. And that, like, fascination, obviously, as, I, as I've matured, that fascination has matured as well, too. So the making it a career path is actually probably more recent than, than you would think. Um mm-hmm. I think growing up, like the goals are, oh yeah, I want to play in the NFL, I want to play in the NFL. And then I remember being so heartbroken when we moved from from Texas to to Ottawa, because I'm like, damn, there goes my dream of playing in the NFL, Mm -hmm. because I'm moving to Canada. How am I going to get to, my dream school was the University of Texas. Um, So how am I going to get to playing at the University of Texas Mm -hmm. and playing in the NFL if if I'm in Canada? So um, I remember the first, the day we got to Ottawa, the one of the airport security people or something like that, he was he was talking to us. I can't remember how the conversation went, but I remember him saying that he played in the CFL. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, shoot, the CFL, I didn't even know what that was, you feel me? So I, I did my little research and found out that, I mean, there's a pretty big football following as well in, in Canada. So, I mean, that's when like the gear started turning kind of. Mm-hmm. That's when I kind of, okay, this could, I could do something with it. But even then I wasn't like, hadn't like you know when you think of something and when you actually believe it it's two yeah. different things you feel yeah me? so when i thought of it i was like okay but then if you asked me in middle school while well, that i'm gonna be professional football players what i would have told you i remember my vice principal asked me or they asked us in class what do you want to do professionally i said i want to play professional football but i was just saying it because that's what i wanted but i didn't know if i believed it 
you feel yeah. me? So, but as far as me deciding, okay, this is what I want to do in my as my career, it was like, and really believing it, it was like second year of university. Okay. Um, that's it was kind of it's kind of late. This is what like three four years ago. So um, yeah, that's when I really saw like okay, the guys that I've played with, like we've gone head to head in in practice, and they're in the league now. Mm-hmm. Like, that's like that's when it really hit me that this is a reality that I could really pursue for it. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I mean, as far as falling in love with the game early, early six five or six, and then deciding that I want to make it my career. Um, kind of passively decided and then the, the real aggressive active decision was was recently like four or five years ago got it yeah i actually remember too like growing up i would say that you were like obsessed with football like you talking about those videos um everybody like i think everyone in our age window remembers like jake paul like the jake paul compilations of like this little white kid who just yeah. went crazy on mpv football cody cody paul Cody Paul, not Jake Paul. Sorry, yeah, J- yeah. yeah, Jake Paul's a YouTuber, but Jake yeah, Paul's Cody like Paul, <laughs> Cody yeah. Paul, number five. They were just like they're just highlights of his PB games. If you if you haven't heard of it, look it up. It's just this like kid who would just score every time he touched the ball, and like that's the type of stuff that we would watch to pass time. Obviously, like you know, moving to the states from Nigeria, like it was a pretty new sport. But I remember yeah. too, like what might have added to that obsession was like we got Madden for the first time, and that was really like. For me, like how I even learned the rules of football was like you would just play this video game and then like you'd be like, oh, okay, like seems like I have three tries before like I gotta get ten yards and then it conti- <laughs> you know what I'm saying like that's what yeah. it was and then we actually like started watching a little bit actively but yeah I remember too like you would like watch videos about like um, putting pads on I think like for your birthday sometimes you would ask for like. I don't know, like if you wanted a helmet or stuff like that. And obviously like oh, our parents were, were a little bit like scared about just the, the physicality of the sport and stuff. Yeah. Um, and even like, you know, when I was in grade 12, you get to you get to high school. So when I was in grade 12, you're in grade nine. And yeah. I had played like football for fun, but really like, you know, I wish I had started playing earlier, but grade 12 was really like when like more physically and like athletically, you become more aware of like the skills you have. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to play football. I'm going to play receiver. I remember you wanted to play and I was like scared for you because at that time you hadn't really like hit your growth spurt. I'm like, yo, like don't, like why would you play in grade nine? Like you're going to be playing people in grade 12, like people that are two times your size, you're going to be getting hit. And I kind of talked you out of it. But then eventually I think you started playing in grade 10. Yeah, grade 10. You started playing grade 10. You played rugby first. And really excelled yeah. at that and then made the transition over to football. So talk me through like that process, like deciding or even getting the green light for mom and dad to like play football for the first time in high school and then all the way up to grade 12 where you're not starting to get noticed by by universities going through the recruitment process. Yeah. So grade nine starts in grade. Well, first in middle school, I played touch football on our touch football team. And I wasn't like good. I wasn't I was all right. You feel what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, I wasn't doing anything crazy. Like, I wasn't even the best player on our team. I was probably, like, fifth best or fourth best on our, mm-hmm. on our touch touch football team in middle school. So, I mean, that's kind of discouraging. You feel me? For someone that's so, like, enamored with the sport and, and just so, like, you watch the highlights. You don't watch people being average. You watch people being great. And I wasn't doing anything uh, spectacular. So, grade nine, I, I couldn't wait to get to grade nine to play uh, varsity football. And then we kind of had our discussion and 
I was disappointed. Football is like the first seat in the first season. Um, so once you get into school, football starts like right away. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking I'm going to play, but I was kind of disappointed. Um, cause I mean, your advice was like, I was, it made a lot of sense to me. I was small. I have a vid, I have a picture actually of me doing the sticks at one of your games in grade 12. Mm-hmm. And you could just see the size difference between me and the guys around the field. Mm-hmm. I was real small, real skinny. Um, so then I'm thinking, okay, I got to play hoops. I got to play basketball. So obviously basketball is huge. Uh, watching you play ball and uh, all through your high school career. And I played hoops in, uh, in middle school. In grade eight, I got cut from the team. I didn't make the team. So I'm thinking, okay, high school, reinvent myself. I'm going to be an athlete. Yeah. I'm not playing football, but I got to play basketball. So I'm thinking I'm going to play basketball. I try out for the team. I get cut. So I remember getting cut in grade nine. This was like, this is like, I feel like this is everyone's like, athlete origin story yeah it's like cut from the mj didn't make team. the yeah mj didn't make the team Sounds and then he tight. became the goat type yes bro j cole had a song about it about how he didn't make the team and, and <laughs> oh, man bro I, I was going through i went home i cried yeah, yeah i was in bed crying for real like i was real real sad um but i think that's probably one of the things that led to like the mindset that i have now and also like obviously i didn't know this at the time but that's that was like the early showings of me like learning to overcome adversity as an athlete. Mm-hmm. So I, I get cut, and then Mr. Chapman, who is uh, at Colonel By our high school, he's the weightlifting uh, teacher. I guess he used to supervise the, the weightlifting program, and then he was one of the rugby coaches and one of the football coaches as well. So I can't remember how it came up. But I can't remember how we connected, but somehow we connected. He's like, "Hey, why don't you just come to weightlifting and play rugby?" Because rugby was after the basketball season. Yeah, it was spring season. So I'm thinking, yeah, so every day, bro, I'm telling you, every that's when I really started to grind. Grade nine, every day while the while the boys were practicing, because all my boys were on the ball team, you know what I'm saying? So they're yeah. going, they practice after school, they go to games and stuff. And I, w- I had nothing to do. So I would go in the weightlifting room. It was just me and Mr. Chapman. There was damn near no one else up there. It was just me and him. And he started teaching me how to lift, um, teaching me like, that's like when I started kind of coming along athletically, I, I really matured athletically real late. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I started lifting weights and I was obsessed with it. I think, I think I have like a, my personality, when I get like interested in something, I, I'll like dedicate all of my time to it. So I think that's just the personality that I have. So whether it was football and then it, it became weightlifting at that point in time, then it, I threw myself in there. I would lift after school. Sometimes I'd go before school, lift, go to school, after school, lift. Um, while, while my boys are practicing on the ball team, lift. Every day they have a game. I'm cheese. I'm not playing. Lift. You know what I'm saying? So I was really yeah. getting to it. And then the rugby season came along. And that's that was my first time playing rugby. I never interacted with the sport before. Um, but I'm thinking it's tackling and it's physical, kind of like football. So, shoot, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And that was when I really, like, started to – grade nine, I wasn't, like, crazy, but you could tell, like, okay, I, I could do something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think, so. I think too, like, the crazy thing about that was, um, like you said, you know, with the weightlifting, it was, like, during ball season. So, I like, basketball was my sport in high school. Like, I played basically all four years. And at that time, too, it'd be, like, you know, our – because I was on the senior boys team. So, our practicing would, like, line up either after or before the junior boys team – but there would always be a time where 
I think it was like the end of the junior boys practice where we're we're pulling up and like we're starting our warm up and whatever. But also anyone who was like weightlifting is coming because you have to go through the court to get into the change room. And obviously, like you didn't time this, but I think your like physical maturation really lined up with like the period you started weightlifting, where it was like we could see that like okay, yo, this guy is starting to get like kind of ripped. You know what I'm saying? And even at home too, like yeah. I remember like we'd be in the kitchen and and mom would pull up. And she'd be like, oh, Daniel, please stop lifting weights. <laughs> please stop lifting Bro, weights. She used to you're starting me. to Yeah. She's like, you're starting to look scary. Like, there's like, too, you have too many muscles. Like, please, Daniel, just no. take it easy. But <laughs> that was just the beginning. Because obviously, yeah, yeah, looking at you now, like, yo, you're just like on another level. But I remember too, like... I was like, ah, bro, I don't, I just care about ball, bro. Like my stature was like perfect for basketball, but nowadays yeah. I'm like, damn, man, maybe if I started lifting weights, when Daddy started lifting <laughs> weights, like we'd be a little bit more similar. But uh, the yeah. other thing I was gonna say too was like the physical aspect of rugby. Um, it was crazy because you hadn't played that sport or football before, but like physically you were like very imposing, like, yeah. bro. And I think you've always been kind of like reckless like with your body like yeah, you got exactly. out of all the four of us you got hurt the most and whatever so you didn't really care about that stuff so you were like flying around the field like you know tackling guys and getting hit and bouncing off of it and similar thing like mom at your games would like be hiding her eyes and she's like yo i can't watch yeah. this like it's just it's just so scary but um did you think like do you feel like like that helped you like when you finally got on the field and put on a set of pads like playing rugby or do you think that either way like you would have been you would have been good yeah i think i think rugby helped for sure because i was using it as like preparation for football type thing um just like as much as you visualize it and think about it you, you can't really simulate getting hit and i would mm -hmm. try trust me i would try bro i did some crazy stuff but i'd be like in the basement simulating myself getting tackled. You know what I'm saying? Like I'd run into a couch mm -hmm. or run into like, I'm talking about like full full speed, <laughs> run into a chair and like fall down just to like simulate. I don't know why I was doing that. Like in, in hindsight, that doesn't prepare you for anything, but bro, I, just, yeah. I was just thinking about it so much. But it'd be like 2 a.m. Mm -hmm. I'm like doing 100 push-ups and running into chairs, simulating getting tackled. But yeah, yeah, so I think that definitely prepared me to like getting hit in football, but it's, it's also two different sports. Right. But um, yeah, that definitely definitely prepared me because just the physicality, like you were saying, I think I'd always been like a rough kid. So mm -hmm. having like an outlet for my roughness where it's like controlled. And I think that like that kind of harnessing that rough or recklessness um, yeah. is a staple throughout my, my athletic journey. Like it's something I had to keep, keep on kind of honing and harnessing. Right. Um, but yeah, so... Rugby definitely prepared me. I think I got nice. When I got, like, noticeably nice is grade 10. Yeah. Was after the football season. That was, I think, between... Because fo football, I had, like, an okay year. But I was, like... I think I bloomed late in the season. Like, our last mm -hmm. game, I had a real good game. I think you were there. At yeah, Glebe. I was there. Glebe, yeah. Uh, I scored a touchdown. Like, I had, like, uh, four or five catches, six catches, something like that. And I had, a uh, like, a couple big plays, too. So, I think that's when I was, like, okay, like... Something's happening. Like, I'm getting good. And then rugby, mm -hmm. grade 10, I went crazy. Oh, my gosh. That's when I was like, my, like my rugby coach told me, like, you should play rugby, not football. That's yeah. when I was like, okay. I started playing. I played uh, Team Ontario Sevens. 
played like started getting noticed. I played Irish. Yo, actually, was, before you continue, like let's talk about that a little bit because yeah, like so far, like in your story, there's like this theme of like you know you know exactly what you want. Like you have this dream, mm-hmm. um, and certainly there could be there could have been a okay, you play football in grade 10 and you're like, okay, like this, I did okay. You know what I'm saying? You had the, you had the good game or whatever. You got to experience it for the first time. So I'm sure you were super excited about that and kind of achieving like, wow, this is something I've wanted to do since I was six years old where all the other kids I knew in the States were playing peewee and Pop Warner football and, and you weren't allowed. And then eventually mm-hmm. like all these years later, nine years later, you get to play football for the first time. But then you have this other sport where... You're naturally talented. You haven't played it before. You haven't even really watched it, unless you did. I don't. I don't really know. You get put on the field and and you play it and you succeed. And then you have like your coach who's like, "Yo, this is like where you're talented at. You know, this is what you should do versus this other sport that you have an affinity for, but maybe you haven't really proven yourself as much." So, talk to me about like your mindset in that moment. Are you thinking, "I still want football"? Are you like kind of swayed and thinking, you know, maybe rugby is the way to go? Because definitely, I think like extrapolating that to what's next. Like we all like we have ideas of what we want, obviously, but different journeys of getting there. And it seems like your journey was like so extended and so prolonged. So, what's the temptation to like give that up for something else that seems to be, you know, what is right for you versus like staying true to the course of what you want? Um, so, I'm curious about like how you were thinking about that. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a huge one too because these are thoughts that I actually had. Like, I actually generally considered stop stopping football and playing rugby. Like, that's something mm-hmm. that, I, that I genuinely considered. It's just, I think the thing that was holding me back was the path to playing pro rugby is much, like, it's much more cloudy. Like, it's not it's not a direct path. Mm-hmm. Most, most people that end up playing pro rugby don't go to university. Like, they mm-hmm. go, they start playing right out of high school type thing. And it's really a European sport, more so like the guys that get paid and get paid well are playing overseas. They're not playing in Canada, you know what I'm saying? So I think that was what was like holding me back was like I could look at people around me in, in football and be like, oh, that guy played in the CFL. That guy played in, like I have this coach. He played in the CFL. Like there's a clear path to going in the CFL. You go to school, you do well, you get invited to the combine, you go to the combine, you get drafted. It's very clear. Mm-hmm. And it's something that, I could realistically see myself doing, but rugby was more, it was more convoluted. So I, I thought, I, I genuinely thought about that, but as I'm playing, like I'm seeing immediate, like the gratification I was getting was more immediate in rugby than it was in football. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? Like at that point in time in grade 10, I was probably a better rugby player than I was a football player. And I think that's what my coach was picking up on. Even in grade 12, when I signed to go to the U Ottawa and play football, mm-hmm. I went and talked to my rugby coach and he was like, I, I still think you should like, you should focus on rugby. I think if you, he told this, this is what real gas really gassed me. I shout out Mr. Byrne. He told me I was one of the best rugby players he's ever coached. He either said one of the best or the best. <laughs> and I was like, damn, I was like, I'm, damn, nice. I'm, that, I'm that good, bro. That's not even the end of it. And then my, cause I was playing club rugby too. Mm-hmm. My club rugby coach told me I was one of the best. Or I think he said, you are the best rugby <laughs> player I've ever coached. I was like, damn. I was like, no, no, my football coach ever told me nothing like that. So I'm like, damn, like, yeah. I'm real nice. Mm. Uh, so I was like, dang. But 
I think I knew in my heart, like, my first love is football. Like, I can't, I can't give up on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, even, yeah. even in my first two years in Uwato, which I guess we'll talk about as well, I was thinking about switching and playing rugby. But I decided to stay, stay the course, and I'm, I'm glad I did for sure. Yeah, man. Let's let's talk about that. Like, so basically, you know, you go through high school, grade twelve. I think you played quarterback because the team just didn't have options. Um, you win, you win a, a city championship playing football, which is really hard to do because just the way like the city matches up. Yeah, we're playing teams in Gatineau sometimes, depending on the size of school you are in Ottawa. Um, obviously, like different school sizes and different skill levels. I think you won like finals MVP in that game, which was sick. You obviously go to U Ottawa, which is super exciting because you're you're going to be in the city, staying home. You have the support of your family, and then you go to U Ottawa and and you just don't play. Um, first year, you don't even like dress. Like no. I remember too, like we'd be talking about it, and you'd be like, "Yo, like I'm going to dress this game," or like my coach told me, like there's a chance I might dress or whatever, um, and then you don't. And then the away games, like you don't even travel with the team, like you watch it from from Ottawa. So like, what was what was that like for you? Like, having your first two years that you're so excited for, they finally come, but you feel like you're doing everything you can to give yourself a shot, and you're not really getting a look. Um, obviously, like, bring some like discouragement, and to be honest, obviously, will bring some sort of embarrassment because everyone knows that you've gone there, and they're like asking you, "Yo, you have a game? Are you playing?" And you're not. So, how did you kind of deal with that? And also, how difficult was that period of time for you? Yeah, man, it was tough. It was really, really tough. That was like, I think I kind of in my head now, obviously because of the the success I've had now, it's like, okay, it was cool. But dude, <laughs> there was times where I was, yo, because first of all, it's not only like, like in my head, I'm a student athlete, right? And mm-hmm. They say, oh, you're a student first. In my head, the only reason I'm there is to play, is to play ball. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So it's like, I go to class to play ball. Like I'm on campus to play, like that's what I'm there for. This is my, and at that point, I didn't have an identity outside of football, which is like one of the lessons that I learned going through this. I didn't, I didn't know who I was outside of a football player. So mm-hmm. when my identity is wrapped up in this and who I define myself as is a football player and this is what I'm here to do and I'm not doing it, like I'm literally just practicing, especially when practices were tough. Like mm-hmm. it's getting cold. Like I got class right before practice and right after practice, and I'm just practicing. Like, I'm not even. Man, it was tough. I mean, first year, like obviously it's your first year playing university ball. I was athletically not mature. Like going up into playing with first second, third, fourth, fifth year guys, some guys, mm-hmm. sixth and seventh year guys, a couple guys on that team my first year had got drafted by the CFL and got sent back. These are the guys I'm playing against. Yeah. A lot of them are on defense. I'm going up against them. So I'm 168 pounds or something like that. Like really skinny. I was slow. I ran a 4.9 my first uh, 40 at Ottawa. I was real slow. So it was just like not, I was not there athletically I wasn't where I needed to be at all um and I talked a lot of trash <laughs> that's one thing like my my confidence has always been where it is now for better or for worse so mm-hmm. it's like even when I I could feel like I'm the worst player on the team but once I touch the field 
Yeah. Like you all hear me. You feel what I'm saying? Like and then they I, have to I humble you. A, so yeah, I'm saying humble I was you. Humbled, boy. And I was a I'm a rookie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like came in with a bunch of other guys. Those guys don't talk trash. Mm. I'm gonna pop it off. So there's just so many instances of me getting humbled. My first one-on-one rep, I remember, shout out Jimmy Harry. Uh, he was one of my boys at uh, U-Ottawa. He was one of the older cats. So I think he was in his third year, my first year. Uh, he's an all two multiple-time All-Canadian, multiple-time OUA All-Star. He got drafted in, the, in one of the first three rounds in the CFL, his draft year. And I'm going against him, my first one-on-one rep. Bro, he pressed me into the dirt. I'm talking wow. about I didn't move off the line of scrimmage. Wow. This is like he put his two hands on my chest, stopped me at the line of scrimmage. And in my head, I'm like, bro, what are you trying to prove? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what are you trying to prove, bro? I'm like, dude, like, we know you're good. I'm a rookie. I'm 165 pounds. What do you get out of pressing me into the dirt? Bro, I didn't move off the line of scrimmage. I'm talking about I'm fighting. I'm doing, I'm trying do to get out. everything you can. Bro. I was just yeah. just running in motion. So, I mean, that's that's one of the things that I really, really remember vividly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, still talking trash, still, I was moving like I'm him still, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And, and that's, like, that's something I, I, I never lost. Even mm-hmm. two years in, I'm still not, I haven't dressed a single game. I think everyone I came in with had either dressed or they quit the team at that point. Yeah. So, I'm second year deep. I have not dressed a single game. My coaches have been like, like once in a while, they'd be like, oh, Daniel, you're going to dress this game. And then something always happened. Like, oh, you can't dress. Whatever. I'm like, damn. So, I mean, obviously it's real discouraging. I'm like going through multiple stages of depression. It's just like, I don't even want to. Sometimes I wake up. I don't even want to do anything. Like, yeah, bro, it was bad. I was down real bad. And I, I don't think I really let many people in on it um is, is kind of like what you said it was embarrassing too because mm-hmm. i mean obviously being from the city like being like i guess getting better known in the football community in ottawa yeah it's embarrassing because people know i went to U ottawa to play football and i haven't like obviously people social media is huge and people are posting and guys that i played that i came in with are getting their pictures in the jersey and all that and i wasn't you know what I'm saying I didn't even put on the only time I put on the jersey my first two years was pictured it two mm. times. And that's it. You know what I'm saying? Crazy, man. Um real bad. And I was hearing the whispers too, like people were telling me, Oh, yo, this person said this about this and oh you all oh, you suck and you not I'm all oh, I'm hearing all of it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was tough. Cause I'm 17, 18. Yeah. So like still real young. And like um, you said too, like but, your entire identity is wrapped up in football, right? Like, it just becomes yes. who you are. So when people are like, yes. oh, you're not good or you didn't make it and stuff, you're seeing that as, like, you being, like, you the person versus, like, this is the situation exactly. right now on the football field. Exactly. So I'm down real bad. But I think I, I can't even – sometimes I think back on it now and I'm like, damn, I was really, like – that's part of the stuff that fuels me now because yeah. I know the – level of dedication and like you had obsession that I was at. Yes, bro, to get to get to where I am now. And bro, we worked. There was we used to have the dome sessions, uh, where it was just like open field time in the winter where you could go in and work, bro. I'm talking about we would 
go to campus, go lift, go to the dome, go lift again, go back to Orleans. And this is like in the off season, so we don't have really organized like team things other than lifts and runs. Yeah. Go to the run at seven o'clock in the morning, six thirty. Six thirty in the morning, I gotta wake up at like five thirty for that from Orleans. Yeah. Go do the run at six thirty, go to class, go lift, go back to the dome at like four o'clock in the afternoon mm. and and go work. Like every I'm talking about every day. In the summer, we wake up, go to the gym, go to the field, go to the gym, go to the field, like obsession type. Mm. And that's when I really kind of developed that that iron that yeah. if I don't get what I want, I'm gonna work for it till I get it. And that's what that's what really and I, I had like I think I had false confidence. In my first year, where it was like, I was just talking because I thought that's what football players are supposed, supposed to do. Pop, to do. Uh, pop trash and yeah, exactly. So it was like a a little bit of just faking it type thing. Mm-hmm. But when I started putting in the work, that confidence was now I backed it up with my work ethic. And I mm-hmm. think that's when people started to realize, oh, like okay, this guy could actually be good. Now the off season of my second year, so leading into my third year. Bro, I'm thinking if, if this doesn't happen this year, yeah, I'm out of here. I gotta move on. Yeah, mm-hmm. and all through all through my first and second year, I'm having so many thoughts like, yo, I should quit and play rugby. Uh, I should transfer. I thought about transferring. Looked into transferring seriously. I was gonna go to Carl team. I was gonna do yeah. all types of stuff. Um, but yeah, so I'm talking to coaches. What can I? What do I need to do to play? I remember I met with my head coach. <laughs> the because we have exit meetings after every year. The end of my first year, I met with my head coach, but he was like, he said something to me that I'm always going to remember. He said, um, I told him like, oh, after the season, I'm disappointed. I didn't contribute how I wanted to contribute. But he's like, when you run four nine and have mediocre hands or something like that, you're always going to be disappointed. Damn. I said, damn. I was like, damn. I remember I had Whoa. a whole bunch of stuff I wanted to say. Yeah. After he said that, I was like, yeah. There's nothing else I can say. Yeah. I was like, I was like, okay. And then he said whatever else he needed to say, and I left. And I was like, yeah, that was a tough one, bro. Because I'm talking to all my other all my other boys that are the same age as me. Yeah. Came in with me, and they're like, oh, like he said, like, next year he sees me being in the rotation, and next year he... And I was like, that's what I got for my meeting. So I'm like, dang. Wow, that's I was, fuel. that was like that's the, fuel right there. The pit. Yes, bro, that was like the pit. But the and that can is, go like, one of that can go one of two ways, right? Like you can hear that, and it's like, all right, well, this isn't for me. Like, and yeah. I mean, I would like to believe that as a coach, like he saw something where he's like looking to inspire you. Um, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, obviously, there's there's sometimes where people say stuff, and it it's like meant to you know destroy you or whatever, but. That can go one of two ways. Like you can hear that and you're like, okay, well, maybe like this rugby thing is really where I should be at. You know what I'm saying? The ball's bigger. Like I don't have to be like the fastest guy on the field. I can be physical type thing. Um, Or it can be the turnaround of like, all right, well, I'm not getting what I thought I would be be getting handed to me. So now I got to go take it. And how am I going to do that? It's 5.30 wake ups, four days if I need to, like putting in the work to put myself where it's like, if you're picking five receivers, like you have to pick me every time, type thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. And that was that was the mentality I adapted because I had to, mm-hmm. and I'm glad I did. I'm really, really glad. Like I, I'll always say this: I'm, I wouldn't have it any other way. The yeah. way things played out, um, I wouldn't. 
to get this mindset and to get to where I'm at now, I needed to go through that. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So I have no regrets, no, I still think I could have played, no, none of that. I'm mm-hmm. glad I didn't dress a single game. I'm glad things played out the way they did because I, I needed that. And the mindset that I have now in terms of my work ethic outside of football, just like mm-hmm. in anything and just the way I view life, my perspective on hard work and, and being rewarded and things, a lot of that was cultivated in those two years. Yeah. So, man, like it's uh, it really was a blessing in disguise. Um, and I, I take it as that. I think going into my third year, that's when I was like, OK, this is this is it. Like I'm going to. I'm starting this year. Not even yeah. I'm dressing. I'm starting. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I came into camp and I wasn't a starter. I was I was team two and I took the spot in training camp. So this is like two weeks of camp before mm-hmm. the season. I took the spot in camp and I started week one. And I've been a starter since then. So like that's when I was like, okay, like this is it. Yeah. And even even like in being a starter my first year, I wasn't really expected to contribute. Mm. by the end of the year, I was contributing more than everyone. I say everyone except for two guys on our, yeah. in our receiving court. It's my first year starting. Mm. And I just know, like, I just prepared myself. I think I had one drop all season. That season it was my first season starting. And I was nervous, boy. I'm telling you, like, because yeah. this is two years in the making. Yeah. So my, our first game, McMaster, I was having heart palpitations before the game. They had to lay me down and, like, run me through breathing exercise. Bro, I was crazy crazy bro yo i remember and uh we're gonna get to the next segment right after this and then we'll come back with some more questions but um yeah your first game yo god just had it planned out that i was living in toronto by then and you're playing in hamilton so it's like i could just make the drive with my boy luke shout out to luke and uh luke lives in hamilton too so it was literally perfect um and i remember we were running late because of traffic and I'm, he's driving, I'm in the passenger and go on the OUA streams. Cause I was like, I don't want to miss the moment where like you're getting on the field for the first time. Um, and I'm, I know I'm not gonna be in the stadium at that time. So I'm gonna just watch it. And I legit started like crying. Like when I saw you like run on the field for the first time, cause like, it's not even like I'm the one putting in the work. You feel me? Like I'm not the one doing these workouts, whatever. But when you just watch someone like care about something so much, obviously like when you first, um, got to you Ottawa, I was still at Carlton living at home. So I know like how early you had to get up and seeing you come home super tired and all the stuff you would do to put in the work. And just to like see that moment where it's like, oh, yo, that's 14, like running on the field for the first time and whatnot. I, th- that game, I think you have maybe just one catch. I don't remember if they threw you the ball that much, but like it was like- three. Oh, okay. Three catches. Um, I remember your, your, your starting quarterback got hurt and stuff. But anyway, like yeah. just like that moment of like, yo, so much work has got to this point and like this is like a milestone of like yo if this guy actually just like touches the field and like that's all it is and he has three catches or whatever i i'm happy for him because i know he's put in the work but obviously there was like so much more to come but yeah i appreciate you like talking through that in those two years because i know that stuff is difficult but also the i think the like reflection to be like that's what i needed like that's a very important skill to have of like this adversity really was what I needed to propel me to the levels I'm trying to get to because sometimes if things are just super easy, like we just take them for granted. Right. So, um, I think that's, that's impressive. And also like your commitment to being like, 
I know there's times where you waver. Like, obviously, there's times where you're like, am I doing the right thing? But ultimately, you stuck it out. Mm-hmm. You stuck it out longer than I would have, bro, honestly, like, being in that position. So I have so much respect for that. Man, this has been this has been dope so far. Just uh, getting a little bit of the inside look of the grind it takes to be a, a successful varsity athlete. We're going to pivot a little bit to the next segment. The segment's called The Celebration of Life. Just a short shout out to someone that might have had an impact on your journey. Daniel, I'm sure there's tons of people that you could talk about. Um, but as my guest, I'm going to let you go first, and then I will give my shout out after. All right. I think this one's pretty easy for me. It's a layup. Um, I have to shout out my brother, David. I'm not going to lie. And my other two siblings, my older sister, Lois, and my twin sister, Eunice. Um, really, really integral pieces of my of my development. Um, not even just like vocationally, like in my career, or athletically, but like just as a person, as a human being. I think um, growing up, like, and David will attest to this, I think I was always like the, I, I always had like a, I think I always had a chip on my shoulder just growing up, like just mm-hmm. off rip. Um, for whatever reason, I always felt like I needed to do something to prove myself or, I don't know, I did a lot growing up. So it was like, we didn't always have, we've always been close, like all four of us have always been close, but we didn't always have as good as relationships as we have now. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that was because I felt like, like I wanted to like isolate myself in a little bit. So I would do things and I was a little bit like, I don't know. I was just like looking back. I'd be like, "Damn, I did some stuff." And it's like, yeah. and it, I think it, at times it drove a drove a wedge in between uh, a lot of our relationships, like collectively and also individually, uh, or I guess one on one. So, man, shout out to my siblings for sticking it through with me. I think uh, a lot of the progress that I've made as a as a man has been uh, attributed to to y'all being patient with me and, and y'all sticking it out with me and giving me advice. And I think. The relate. I'm really, really grateful for the relationship we have now, and it's uh, it's one where I really feel open and comfortable like, coming to y'all with anything for real. So, yeah, man, shout out to y'all. I think y'all were motivation to me, um, a lot of motivation because there was just so I didn't have to look far for motivation. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? To to get to to get to that mindset, I didn't have to look far. If, man, if my oldest sister can stick it out through pre med and. Mm-hmm. do what she needs to do and get out and have to wait and go and keep waiting and reapplying and get into med school and David can stick it out through engineering and be involved in the school and still succeed in both aspects and be real social and have all these people know him and my sister can do the same and have the, the campus rely on her type thing like like the mm-hmm. the governing bodies of the school actual refer to her for information yeah. you know what I'm saying like I'm like if they can do that man dude I could play football that's that's easy you know what i'm saying like Mm -hmm. i could catch a ball and run that's that's real easy so shout out to y'all man celebration of life celebrate the life of my siblings y'all were the biggest motivation as well as as well as our parents obviously my mom and my dad but man looking to my right and to my left and seeing my siblings and and them doing big things has really motivated me and spurred me on to do everything that i need to do so and i'm not done yet but shoot I think we're going to keep going up together and that's something that I really look forward to in this life, for sure. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, that's big. And I, I'm very appreciative of the relationship that we we have. And I'll say that we've built because I think some of it is very natural. Um, it was fun growing up with three siblings. Like, if, you know what I'm saying, mom and dad were like, you're not going over to this person's house today, you're not going outside today. We just had each other, you know what I'm saying? Like, you just had to 
find a way to to have fun. Um, I do think like there was a phase where we all had to do our own thing and figure out who we were. But yeah, I think like more recently, um, I would say in the last like four years, like our relationship has become become really special. And honestly, bro, like I think a lot of it has revolved around like 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 you playing football. Like I think that's like obviously like I've always loved sports. Eunice does too, but like I think Lois has gotten super interested in sports too because of that. And it's just given everybody like just like this common protagonist to root for. Like it's very easy to root for your family. Um, and I think that's been really special and, and yeah, excited to see like, you know, what we all do when we're starting families and things like that and, and how we show up for each other and all the fun that's to be had. But I really appreciate that shout out. Um, for me, like, I think just like on the, on the topic of sport, just like shouting out a coach makes a lot of sense. Um, I've had some good coaches, but I'm gonna shout out someone a little bit different that I've actually never really interacted with or met before but I know has had like significant impact on you and your journey. And that's coach Nate. Um, someone I've had a chance to just oh, like, bitch. yeah, yeah. Observe from afar. Um, and like, obviously I don't know like all the details in terms of like your interactions, but there's just certain people that you just know have like the well being of other people as a forefront. And even just the way you talk about him and your journey with like getting to U Ottawa and, and you know the year that you were able to have last year, um, second team All Star, you know leading the team in catches like that type of thing, and seeing like the success he's had now he's working working for the Red Blacks, um, obviously that has to be like a very special like diligent man. So I don't know if you'll ever hear this. I don't know if I'll ever meet him, but um, obviously like there's only so much that I can do as a brother. Uh, when I'm seeing you, obviously being in different cities, but to know that like, yo, like when he's with his team, he's going to be in good hands. Like obviously your brother's on the field, but also just like someone like Coach Nate looking out for you. I want to celebrate his life uh, because he's had an impact on, on yours. So shout out to Coach Nate, shout out to Lois, shout out to Eunice, shout out to you. Um, but yeah, that's the, that's the celebration of life, man. So that sums up part one of this conversation with Daniel. I hope y'all enjoyed part two is dropping next week. We're going to talk a little bit more about some fun questions. So how Daniel comes up with his celebrations when he gets into the end zone. Uh, we're going to throw it back to our many duels playing one-on-one -on -one growing up uh, in the streets of Houston and Ottawa. And Daniel shares some really important life lessons and reflections that he's taken away from his past five years playing at the University of Ottawa. If you enjoyed this episode, please take the time to rate the podcast wherever you listen. Share it out. Don't be selfish for knowledge. And follow on Instagram. Stay tuned for more content dropping real soon. I appreciate y'all being here. I appreciate y'all uh, taking part of this space. And I look forward to the next one. Take care. <laughs>